on um, Fox News or CNN or whatever it is that you watch about our responsibility that we have towards one another. And it's funny that it takes a thing like a pandemic for us to be reminded of very basic and very simple truths. So we thought today we would turn back to the scripture and talk about the duty that God has uh, entrusted to us and what our responsibilities are. Yeah, And, you know, so many times we have, we have responsibilities that we know that we need. Um, we have other responsibilities that uh, maybe we think we probably should carry out. And so as we, as we sorted through these, um, we're going to take a look at Moses uh, and one of, one of his duties. Um, but then as we, as we sort through the rest of it, what duty looks like in our lives, uh, it's both challenging and kind of exciting because sometimes I think we forget about those expectations. Yep. And we've defined duty as the responsibility that we have to God and that we willingly choose to live out before men. And as Seth said, we're going to look at a passage in the Old Testament. It comes from Numbers chapter 21, and it starts in verse 4. And the Word of God says this, And they traveled to uh, Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea, around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. And they spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread and no water, and we detest this miserable food. And then the Lord sent among them venomous snakes, and they bit the people, and many in Israel died. But the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole, and anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. And so Moses made a bronze snake, and he put it on a pole. And then anyone who was bitten by a snake and looked on the bronze snake, they lived. So there's some imagery here uh, that we need to kind of... Uh, break down for you. So here's the the people of Israel. They've left Egypt, and God is guiding them. Uh, a pillar of uh, fire by night and a cloud by day, uh, symbolizing His protection and His hand over them. He led them through the Red Sea on dry ground, and He's providing them manna in the wilderness, bread that falls down from heaven, and supplying water that comes from a rock miraculously. So they're seeing these incredible things happening. And then when we pick it up in this passage, we see them grumbling, grumbling about the food, grumbling about the, the state of affairs, and a, a brood of snakes comes and begins to wreak havoc among them. And, and God gives Moses this strange command. He says, I want you to make a, a bronze sn a serpent snake, put it on a pole, and as you lift it up and people lift their eyes to it, they'll be healed. And you might say, well, that's just a, a really weird thing to do. What we need to understand is the symbolism that's there. Uh, a snake, is a we know from Genesis, is a symbol of sin. Uh, it comes from the fallen one. And as Adam and Eve were tempted in, in the garden, uh, so these people are tempted here. Uh, the bronze is uh, one of the few metals of that time that can endure heat. And heat is this picture of judgment. So what we see is this pole with sin on it being judged. And when people look to it, they're healed. That's a picture of the cross 
in advance. That's an incredible thing. Now, what does this have to do with duty? Each person had a responsibility before God that if they desired to be healed, if they desired to have a life that was going to be fulfilled, that they had to lift their eyes and look on the pole. Those who didn't look at the pole and were bitten, they, they fell in the desert. But for those who lifted their eyes, a very simple task, very simple call to obedience, a very simple duty put in front of them, received this incredible blessing. And as we thought about this, we couldn't help but thinking about the duties that God has entrusted to us because we too, if, as believers in Jesus, have looked to a pole where sin was being judged. That pole was a cross. And instead of a snake, there was our Savior. And he went to that cross in our place. Uh, he died a death that we deserve. And three days later, he rose from the dead, defeating the greatest of all enemies, death. And he says to all of us, if we'll put our faith and trust in him, that he'll forgive us of our sin. He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness and call us as one of his own. And as one of his own, as a member of the family, there comes duties, responsibilities. And that's what we want to talk to you about today. So we, we've cut them down into uh, the three kind of main areas that we talk about uh, on this podcast, and, and those are our faith, our family, and then football, which we're kind of lumping into coaching or you know any sort of other area of your life. And uh, we, we thought it important to keep them in that order, um, and that's maybe one of the duties is to make sure uh, that our faith keeps the center of, of our priorities. Uh, so we broke down duty into two different pieces. And the first duty that we feel like um, is laid out for us uh, in the scripture and uh, by Jesus throughout his life is um, the duty to know him. You know, the scripture says to to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And uh, and this is the this is the greatest commandment. And then love each other. Uh, but this this idea of of getting to know who Jesus is, of getting to know who God is, and giving getting an accurate understanding of who he is, that's a big part of us uh, being a, a Christian. You know, I I didn't grow up in church. I didn't come to faith until I was 22 years old. And I remember when I started to learn the things of God, and I was very skeptical. I wasn't an atheist. I, I would say I was an agnostic. Agnostic, if you don't know what that is, it's uh, they believe that there is a higher power, but there's no possibility of humanity knowing uh, that that higher power. So that's kind of where I was as a 22-year-old. And I remember I used to ask my mother-in-law antagonistic questions about the faith. And one of them that I asked her was... Um, Chris, which is her name, if you know so much about God, answer this simple question. What is the meaning of life? And I only asked that question because I didn't think there was an answer. <laughs> and her response was very quick and very succinct. is to know him and to make him known. That, that's, a, that's the first duty that we're talking about here today, to know who he is. And that's to know who he, he is um, in the basic principles that you read about in Scripture, but also to grow in him. It's this process that never ends until we step foot into glory. And so that's why it's a duty, because it's a responsibility that we have before God that we carry out before men every single day. There's not one of us that are a finished product and not one of us that know it all. No. And, and this, uh, the second piece of, of what his mother-in-law shared with him there, to know him was the first one. And then our second piece was to make him known. And uh, this one ha has rang real true for me. And I think uh, each one of us 
probably in some way, shape, or form, maybe in several different ways, has been given a verse or uh, maybe a couple verses uh, that have really stuck out. I know my family's uh, verse growing up was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord uh, with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. And that uh, that really rang true. I've shared about it on here before. When my mom got sick, uh, there wasn't a treatment for it. We wanted there to be this uh, easy fix medically, but that didn't happen. And so we had to trust in him. And we had to lean not on our own understanding, but on his understanding. And, and it wasn't, we didn't necessarily get the answer that we want because she passed away from, from that cancer. But the growth and the uh, everything else that came with it rang so true. And so I think God had kind of set that as that was part <clears throat> of, of our maturing process and our growing process. And then me personally, um, I had a, I've learned a verse in, in kids club here, uh, Bethel Baptist when I was really young and, uh, it's Acts 412 <clears throat> and I can remember learning it. I know what Sunday school room we were learning it in. Um, it says salvation is found in no one else for there's no other name under heaven, uh, given to man by which we must be saved. And I can remember learning it and it, it was, it took me a while cause there, it's kind of some big words. The language is a little bit different. But from that, that verse has always stuck with me. And it was almost instantly after learning it, I'm like, man, I, I just like that. And I, I didn't really know why. Uh, but now as I've, as I've grown, God has given me a heart to share what that salvation is with other people. And I don't mind getting up in front of people and talking. I, I want to share the gospel. And I've had so many different opportunities um, in order to do that. But I think God was putting that verse on my heart at a young age because he's preparing me. And he was saying, all right, Seth, here's one of your duties growing up is you need to go out and you need to make him known. You need to share um, what you know. And to know him and to make him known seems to be so elementary. Um, so foundational, but really that's the point. Uh, because any any um, any field that you go into, it's the fundamentals of that field that make you successful. If you want to be a great football player, you better work on the fundamentals every single day. If you want to be a great coach, you better understand the fundamentals of philosophy, the fundamentals of team building, the fundamentals of the X's and O's. Uh, Irregardless of what your scheme is, because if you don't understand the fundamentals, uh, you're going to fall short. And the same thing is true in faith. If we don't keep returning back to those fundamentals, we're going to miss out. Um, the next duty that we have, and, and we have these in order for a purpose, faith is number one, and it's got to be primary. Number two, family. And when we talk about family, we're talking about at home, that family, that close family union, and it starts first with our spouse. So our first duty in regards to the family is not our words, but Jesus' words as husbands to love your wives. We hear that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, and Jesus says it like this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church, and he gave himself up for her. Now, I think coaches, uh, but also men, uh, need to hear that. Love your wives in the way that Christ loved the church, sacrificially, willing to give up everything so that one that you say you love the most can be honored. And I think that we forget that a lot of times, Seth, as we start chasing after titles and we start chasing after trophies, we start chasing after positions and possessions and power. We forget the things that are most dear to us because we are task-driven creatures. 
but God has given us a helpmeet, a, a spouse, and it's the one of the greatest gifts that He's given us besides salvation. Somebody who who can be our completing part. And so often we get so busy doing what we're doing that we forget the fundamentals. We forget how important home is. And I think it's cool when you said that uh, our spouses are completing part because so often, um, you know, we look at the likes and dislikes of of couples is so different. And and my wife and I are are no different when it comes to that. You know, we have our things in common, um, but. But there's so many different things that, that we view differently. But because of that, um, we're able to complement each other. Um, I am very lofty with my ideas and my visions and my goals. Um, and she is very concrete. Yeah. Uh, she knows how to get things done. And, and she does them to a, to a high level. And with us working together on things, that allows us to get things done. Because we, um, we complement each other and we, can, we make each other complete. And one thing I want us not to miss, or not to miss before we move on from it, the command is husbands to love your wives, be totally in for her, just like Jesus was totally in for the church, and that He gave Himself up for her. So who's the first one that has to sacrifice? Not according to Mike, but according to Jesus, it's got to start with us. Why? Yes, because we're the leaders. We're the leaders. But family extends beyond the spouse. And on to the kids. And we we have a duty before God to train up our children in the way that they should go. So that when they are older, they shall not depart from it. That's Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. And, and again, I want to highlight who, who is Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. Who's he talking to? He's talking to dads. He's talking to the spiritual head of the household that you have a duty before God to train up your kids spiritually. And I think so often we get so busy that we co-op that. And th- this is something that I think a lot of people, uh, Mike's going to share a story about a study, but I, I think the dads in general, maybe just parents in general, is is we're scared to have spiritual conversations with our kids because maybe we don't feel like we know the answers. Uh, but we have to know that our kids are going to be seeking that guidance and where they're going to get that. Um, if if they're going to get it at home under a spot where we control what's being yeah, said, where we, exactly. can, uh, where we can make sure that it's truth that's being shared, that's a huge duty that we have as fathers, as parents, um, as Christians bringing up kids in this world. Because nature abhors a vacuum. And if we step out, um, we would be foolish to think that something's not going to fill that vacuum. Because kids are going to look for a way to live. And they're either going to hear from it from us, or they're going to hear from it from the culture, or social media, or their friends. And we're not in control of that. Um but the, the study that Seth was referring to, I read a book a number of years ago. It was called Unchristian. And it was a study from coast to coast of 18 to 25-year-olds. And they went from campus to campus, from uh, New York all the way to California. And they, they surveyed thousands of kids. Um, and they were asking one question. Why is it that you have departed from the faith when you left home to go to college, because we've seen the phenomenon 
80, 70 to 80% of Christian kids who grew up in church depart from the faith when they go away to school. And only a few percentage points come back after those college years. So they wanted to know why was this happening? And they got a myriad of reasons. Uh, But the number one reason from coast to coast uh, by far was that they never saw their dad take his faith seriously. And you want to talk about a gut punch. Good night. That that responsibility that we have vacated has left a hole spiritually in the next generation. So when we talk about uh, the negative things that are happening in the church, we can't point our finger anywhere else but right back at us. And and why that is, you know, I'm not I'm not fully sure. You can yeah. come up with a hundred different reasons why, as dads, we're not going to be um, leaders in the family. Um, but uh, but it's true, you know. And and I think when you when you start to look at it um, in different families and in, in kids that struggle, you know, this presence of a of a strong father figure and uh, a spiritual father figure is not present in many of the situations and in the schools a lot of times when we deal with kids that are in the the most difficult situations um, it doesn't necessarily mean that the father is absent but there is almost always tension with the relationship of the father mm-hmm. and and I think that's such a challenge um, for us as men and for us as coaches who are who are teaching young men that we're going to touch on that a little bit later too but for us to take that responsibility seriously mm-hmm. and and that even if it's awkward and even if it's um, even if we're nervous about it that we need to step out in faith and that we need to show people uh, what it looks like um, to run after God and if we are not then we better start and figure out what that is what that does look like yep. now, one of the silliest conversations I have ever had with a parent. Um, I was pastoring in Pennsylvania at the time, and there was a young man that had got himself into a bind, and I uh, was visiting with his parents, and uh, and we're talking about what are the next steps and things of that nature, and uh, there was a few things going on in his life, and, and I just said uh, to the father, you have to address this, and his response to me was this, I can't say anything to him about that because I did that thing when I was a kid, and I was like, what are you talking about? That's the that's the best reason to talk to him about it because you learned the hard way. You knew that this was wrong. You've been down this road and experienced the pain and why on earth would you want that for your son? This is the reason to talk to him about it. And I think so often we think because we have made that mistake that now we have no right to speak. And that's exactly false. We have every right to speak because now we have an opportunity to demonstrate repentance. We can say, I've been where you're at. I know what you're feeling. I know what you're experiencing. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you've had to go down that road. I should have uh, been a better leader for you. I should have shown you the way. Or when we make the mistake before them, we can own up to it. And we're teaching them a very valuable lesson. Yeah. <laughs> that That's powerful and it. It's, it's not easy, uh, but it's important. Uh, the, last, the last duty that we have is uh, we've kept them in order, our faith, our family, and then our football. Um, for us, we look at that as our coaching or our job. All, all those things kind of, they need to come after uh, those first two. Uh, but the first duty that we have um, with that is, is to teach 
others and to teach those that were that were in contact with. And we want to turn to Second Timothy two and read two verses there, verses one and two. It says, and Paul's talking to Timothy, and he says, "You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus." And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardships with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So here Paul's kind of laying it out to Timothy is like, hey, I, I've taught you the things that you need to do. And that can be a challenge for us is our duty needs to be we need to pass on the ideas the lessons the things you know like you just said that that father had learned a lesson and mm -hmm. we need to pass that on that's part of our duty um, to teach that next generation yeah I, I passionately believe that those things that god invests in us that he pours into us through other people he does that for one sole purpose so that in his time we can pour out into other people and that's why we talk about our duty as far as being uh, an employee or a a coach or in any other hobby is to use that that platform to leverage it towards the kingdom of God and as far as coaches are concerned our first duty um, yes is to our family um, to train up our kids in the way that they should go but we also understand that there are kids that are coming uh, to us and coming in contact with us that aren't from our background which is fine but that's also a great opportunity for us to be able to step into that vacuum that's been created and, and to teach them truths that will impact their lives um, and, and not just on the football field, day in and day out. And I think if you talk to most coaches and most of the guys who are coaches that are listening to us today, they would agree with this statement. The greatest victories are not the wins and losses. It's 15, 20 years down the road when we see that those young men that we've had the opportunity to lead are successful and are now leaders. That's the victory. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, and the second piece of that, of that duty that we have to others um, ties in there pretty tightly with the teaching, but it's the being a mentor. Um, in Mark 9, verse 42, it says, And if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. Um, and, you know, what we talk about there is us being a stumbling block. And, and we, need to be, um, we need to be leaders who, who lead by example. And, and that holds us accountable all the time. Um, and we might not have somebody right next to us holding us accountable, but, but we as, as people who are, you know, as coaches, that accountability needs to come from the idea that everything that we do, every mistake that we make is going to be amplified 10 times in the minds of the, of the young people that we're influencing. And it's going to take that much more um, building up trust and everything like that to get that back. And when, when I think of, uh, you know, some of the interactions that I've seen coaches have with kids and, uh, and when we've been at uh, team camps, different things like that, the foul language and, and stuff like that, that's come out of those, those coaches mouth. It's every time that they do that, they're showing those guys that that's how, that's how you need to live. Um, and those kids buy into it. You know, it doesn't take long for that to trickle into every, everything else. Uh, but, when when you see when you see coaches that are doing things the right way, uh, you see that in the players on the field and off the field as well. Yeah, and it just highlights the point. It's just so easy uh, to talk the talk. It's so easy to to say the right things in front of the right people, but it's so much more difficult to live it out. But when you live it out. 
that's where the respect is earned. You know, if we stand up at the parent meeting and we wow the parents and they're amazed by the, the program that we've established or uh, the tenets upon which it's built, but then the experience that their young person has with us doesn't match that, then it's just words and, and it's meaningless. What we want, and I think what you want, is for those young people's experience to be even greater than that vision that we cast for them. Because one, they know we care. Because we're invested in their life. And two, our, uh, the things that we say match and are consistent with the, the way that we live. And we've built this, uh, this uh, account of trust up in their lives so that when things go sideways, who is it they call? They call us mm -hmm. because they rely on us. They, they've developed trust. I think we can even see that in, you know, Mike and I have been doing this now for 15 weeks. And uh, just these last couple weeks, we've called on the kids uh, to lead the devotions for our church. And, uh, and they have stepped up. And each one of them has has shared, and you can you can truly tell that that they've taken time to think about it because they've all applied to each individual personally, and and that's been so special to see. But they've been given an opportunity during this time of tension and fear and questioning to to share truth, and and they've done that in a, in a way that's brought joy to me. I get I've watched I think there's been about five of them that have done it, and I get choked up each time because you think about. How, how much growth has happened in all of these guys um, that we've worked with um, for, for all these years and the support that they've got from their parents at home. And because of people fulfilling their duties, uh, we have guys that are willing to step out and share their faith. And, and it's a, been a very humbling experience for both of us because uh, during the course of this uh, quarantine, uh, we've had to turn more to social media. And, and that's where those devotions have come in. We never did that before. Uh, but because people are so closed off and disconnected from one another, we came up with this idea of having a video devotional every day and we got different people to do it. And then when those young people do it, and we've got young guys that are freshmen in high school to freshmen in college, uh, just sharing their faith, you know, uh, being bold uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And like Seth said, you know, it just chokes you up because you're so proud of them. Um, and people come and they'll like pat us on the back like we played this huge part in it, but we didn't. They come from great families. and But more importantly, these young men have a genuine affection for the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we showed them, just this little bit that they've, they've been exposed to us and, and how we live in our, in our lives, even when we make mistakes, we own up to them. Um, they've applied those things to, to their life so that now when we're in this difficult situation as a nation— their hearts aren't turned inward and saying, what can I do to protect myself? But how can I reach out? And that is incredible. Yeah. And so the, this idea of duty, you know, we, we outlined all of them. Duty to your faith, duty to your family, to your wife, your spouse, and your kids. And then duty to your workplace, the people that you're influencing. You know, we also have a duty right now to the people around us. You know, we talked a little bit beforehand of, you know, this, this quarantine piece is, is a duty. It's a task that we've been given. And, you know, all of us are kind of um, interpreting it a little bit different. And, and we all have our own point of view on it. But this idea of, am I going to do something that's going to drastically affect somebody else in a negative way? And am I just going to choose to do that anyway? And so I think we need to be 
cognizant of that throughout this whole process that um, we, we've been given a task as as citizens and as people as Christians um, to to love our brothers as ourselves and uh, so we need to be thinking about that throughout all this and as we close we just want to encourage you guys with every obstacle in life comes an opportunity and there's been this incredible opportunity that's taken place during uh, this quarantine we just want to encourage you to leverage this opportunity that's been given to you um, to serve the kingdom of God. However that looks in your life. For us, you see what we're doing here with this. And this is a small part of what we're doing. Um, but we want you to make the most of every opportunity because the scripture says the days are evil. And since the days are evil, we don't know what tomorrow holds for us. So the world needs to know that there's a God who loves us. He created us to be with him, but our sin separated us from him. And there's no amount of religious things that we can engage in or good things we can engage in that can close the gap. But when there was no way, God made a way. He sent his one and only son who lived the life that you and I refused to live. And then he died the death that we deserve. That should have been us on the cross. And then three days later, he rose from the dead, overcame sin, overcame Satan, and overcame death. And calls to all of us, all who would call on his name and offers forgiveness of sin, um, uh, eternal life, and fellowship with him. And that's what we want for you. And we want beyond that for you to share that greatest gift of all with everybody that you know. Amen. So with that, we're going to say goodbye for the week. Uh, God bless you guys. We love you. Thank you guys for tuning in. It's been awesome. And we'll be back with you next week. And if you like this, please share it with anybody and everybody that you know. God bless.